Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Ann Harding, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away, and will bring you back safely. I have three stories for you today. What? Yes, three. Isn't that what you've been wanting? More stories per episode? Ah, well, I'll do what I can to oblige. I want a good many things. I want to sit in the moonlight. I want this podcast to travel around the world and the stories to live in the hearts and ears of those who listen. I want to eat bread, butter, and a little salt as a final meal. I want to tell the rain when to come and go, but I've heard the warning. Be careful what you wish for. Oni Lasana, a storyteller based in Philadelphia, has traveled the world telling stories and learning about what people want, and has a story about a king who discovered this warning the hard way. Right after her is Lynn Ford, who has been on the podcast before, but today she has another story about a woman who asks for a gift from the sea and gets her wish. But first, Oni Lasana, and everything's connected. Everything's Connected, an African tale from Nigeria. Far away in an African kingdom, there lived a chief, a nana, a king, whose name was Yesir. King Yesir was given that name in hopes that he would be an agreeable and kind king. However, he liked his name because everyone in his kingdom would say, Yes, sir, your majesty. When he would ask his wise councilmen for anything or about anything, they would always say, yes, sir. What do you think about this or that? They would say, yes, sir. King, yes, sir, you are correct. The king loved all the positive feedback. He just loved hearing the word, yes, sir. He could always get anything he wanted. One day, King Yesir called all his wise counselors to his court to let them know he was having a big problem. He asked them, Do you hear those frogs at night? Yes, sir. King Yesir, we do. Well, I can't stand hearing those noisy frogs. They're chatting and singing all night long. Oh, I have been unable to sleep for many weeks. Even with my windows shut, those frogs keep me up all night. I can't get any sleep. I even hear their noise ringing in my ears all day. Ribbit, 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 ribbit. We must find a solution to get rid of those frogs. All the councilmen in his court agreed with King Yesser. Oh, yes, King, yes, sir, we agree with you, and we will do whatever you want, your majesty. Well, I was thinking that I should command my army to kill off all those frogs. Maybe then I can get a good night's sleep. What do you all think? Do you think this is wise of me to proceed? Oh, King, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, King, yes, sir. Everyone. Everyone was agreeing with King Yesir. King Yesir looked over his councilmen before him, and he noticed that one of the wise men was sitting way off to the side in the back of the room in the corner. And this one wise man was looking serious and slowly shaking his head back and forth. 
as if to be saying, no. So King Yasser stepped down from his throne and walked right over to the wise man in the corner. Why are you the only one shaking your head as if to say no to me? He growled at the wise man. The wise man looked up in King's eyes and quietly said, everything's connected. What? What foolishness is this? King Yasser turned his back and marched back to his throne and stood by his chair, tall and proud. Well, I have decided to make a command to to army for all the frogs in this kingdom to be destroyed, killed off. So what does everyone have to say to this? Oh, yes, sir, King Yasser. Yes, sir, King Yasser. My king, no problem. Anything you say, King Yasser? Sure. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And so it was that the king's army went out and killed off all the frogs in the land. The king slept peacefully for many nights, many weeks, and many months. Till one day, he sat in his palace all alone on his throne. What? What? What is this? Councilman! Councilman, come, come. And all the wise councilmen came running to the king's chamber, swatting mosquitoes everywhere. Oh my, you stupid men. I asked you all if it was wise to get rid of the frogs. But no one told me that frogs eat mosquitoes. And now the mosquitoes are eating us alive. Everyone was slapping themselves and running all around the place, trying to escape the attack of all the mosquitoes. Suddenly the king looked over and saw the one wise man sitting off to the side of the far corner. The only one that did not say yes to him. The king rushed to confront him. What is going on? You could have helped us. What do you have to say for yourself? Did you not know that frogs eat mosquitoes? The wise man looked into the king's eyes and said gently, Your Highness, everything's connected. So you see, my friends, sometimes being told no can be for your own good. When you ask for a gift, when you wish for a gift, you should be ready and willing to receive it and everything that may come along with that gift. Once there was an old woman who walked next to the waters. She walked on the beach and she looked out at the sea. And as she looked at the sun rising or setting, as she watched the big fish far out, rising up in the water, sinking back down in the waves, as she watched the seaweed coming up on the shore and looked at the starfish and the shells. She wished and she whined, Oh, I wish, I wish, I wish I was not alone. 
I wish I had someone who loved me, someone who would always be there for me. Oh, how I wish I was not alone. Now, she was alone for some very good reasons. You see, she did not have a kind and loving heart. In the morning, if someone came to her, a woman saying, Good morning, she would turn her nose up or turn her head away and walk past that woman without returning the greeting. If she was walking along and children said to her, Hello, Auntie, she would tell them, Get out of my way. Get away from me. You're shoving dust up toward me. You're knocking sand on my feet. Go away. If anyone tried to greet her, she never had a kind word for them, and she never did a thing to help anyone at all. And that was why she was alone. But she couldn't admit that to herself. She just wished, and she whined. Oh, how I wish, wish, wish. Now one morning as the sun was rising, there she was walking along the beach. Every now and then she would pick up a shell, perhaps toss it back into the water, or put it into her basket. But she saw two big fish far out on the horizon. One great fish swishing her tail about in the water, and next to her, another, not quite as big as she. And the old woman looked at those two fish and watched the sun as it rose, and she wished, and she whined. Oh, how I wish, wish, wish I was not all alone in the world. How I wish there was someone who loved me, someone who would be with me. Oh, I wish I had a child, yes, a child all my own, a child to take care of. And then I would not be alone. I would love that child and tend to that child. Oh, how I wish I was not alone. And as she wished and whined, she noticed that there was now only one big fish at the horizon. The smaller of the two fish seemed to have disappeared, and a great wave was coming toward her, rising higher and higher on the water, and as it moved with great force, she stepped back on the beach, and when the wave slapped itself against the shore and pulled itself back toward the horizon, there was seaweed, there were starfish, there were shells, there was something moving in the seaweed. Well, the woman walked toward the seaweed carefully. This thing that was moving was bigger than any shell or starfish, and as she pulled the seaweed away, she realized it was a child, a little girl, a beautiful baby, long, dark hair, Eyes as dark as the ocean in a storm. What a precious thing. What a treasure. A child. And there was no one around. So the old woman picked up this baby. A treasure. A child for me. And she ran to the elders in the village and showed them what she had found. Now they knew of no missing child. They knew of no family mourning the loss of a baby. And so they told her that she could keep this little girl as her own. And right then she named the baby Dede, which means gift. She carried Dede back to her home. She cuddled and 
hugged and talked to the child. Oh, Day-Day, coochie-coochie-coo, you will be my lovely little daughter. I will hug you and kiss you and love you. I will dress you in the finest clothes and feed you. And Day-Day said, Oh, how cute you are, said the woman as she prepared a basket to be Day-Day's bed. Oh, how wonderful you are, she said as she bathed Day-Day in a little bowl and dressed her in soft cloth. Oh, you are the sweetest thing, she said as she fed Day-Day. But Day-Day smiled and did what babies sometimes do after they have eaten. Oh, well, that's all right. I have more wonderful clothes here, and I can always make more, said the woman. And she bathed Day-Day again, and she dressed her in beautiful soft cloth. And Day-Day smiled, her wonderful baby smile. And again did what babies do. And again the woman bathed and changed Day-Day. But Day-Day was a baby. And babies do what babies do. Ooh, said the woman. What was that? Oh, that smells so bad. Oh, what did you put in your diaper? Oh, no, said the old woman. And again she bathed and changed Day-Day. But she burped her this time and... Day-Day smiled, her little baby smile, and went to sleep. Well, the woman put Day-Day into her basket and did the other things that she needed to do, and she took good care of Day-Day. Day-Day slept that night, and in the morning, she seemed to have changed. Day-Day was growing quickly. She crawled out of the basket herself. She began to crawl around the room. Next thing the old woman knew, Dede was pulling things out of their places and knocking things down. Stop, child, stop! What is wrong with you? said the woman, and Dede smiled and did what babies do. Oh no! And now you're making messes around the house too. But the woman took good care of that baby, and she bathed her and changed her and fed her, and she tried to build a little framework to keep Dede in one place. Dede slept that night, and the next morning, Dede walked out of the basket. She began to toddle around and pull things down. She began to make more messes, putting things in her mouth. She began to speak. No, 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 no. And the old woman began to get angry. Stop saying no. No. You don't even know what it means. No. Let me put you into the frame. No! Dede, will you stop? No! Dede, I am getting tired of this. No, 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 no. Dede, you are getting on my nerves. No! Dede, shut up! Right then, the little girl was silent. Stand having you around. You are so much work for me. You're getting on my nerves. You are too much trouble. I am going for a walk. Stay here. But Dede did not stay. Somehow she didn't look like a child anymore. 
Her face looked like the face of a young woman, and even though she was no bigger than a toddler, Dede glared at the old woman and walked right past her out the door. I said, stay here. But Dede kept on walking. Where do you think you're going? Dede kept on walking, and the old woman tried to catch up with her, but Dede seemed to be moving very quickly. The old woman realized that Dede was walking down toward the beach. Stop, child, stop. Dede was walking out toward the water. No, what are you doing? Dede walked right into the ocean and sank beneath the waves. No, no. I'm sorry I yelled at you. I did not mean to be so angry. What has happened? Oh, my child, come back, come back. But Dede had disappeared into the waters. And on the far horizon, the old woman saw one big fish with another fish not quite as big beside her. And as the sun began to set, a voice carried on the wind from the horizon to the ears of that old woman. And the voice said, Woman, I heard your cries. I heard you mourning because you were alone. And I felt sorry for you. I sent to you my own child, my daughter, a gift from the sea. But you were not ready to accept all that went with having the gift of a child. And so my daughter has come back to me, and she will remain with me. And you, woman, you will remain alone. They say the old woman still walked by the beach, but because she did not understand that the kindness in her heart would keep her from being alone, she never found another gift from the sea. She may be alone still. When we ask for a gift, when we wish for a gift, we must be ready to receive it, and we must be ready to accept all that goes with that gift. Children, we love them, but sometimes we need help. Mythical Creatures Au Pair Agency provides live-in mythical creatures at the affordable rate of a few small cakes and maybe a chicken or two. Choose from a variety of mythical creatures, fairies, gnomes, La Llorona, Pied Piper, or Will-o'-the-Wisp. They will look after your child with as much care as they would their own. Mythical Creatures Au Pair Agency, a proud sponsor of the Story Story Podcast. Some wants are innate in us, longing to be accepted, known, understood. Men who could transform, labeled as monsters, Icarus wished to fly closer to the sun. Cinderella wished to go to the ball. The next story is about hiding gifts we already have. 
The next story is told by a storyteller I'm thrilled to have on the podcast. She is a Grammy-nominated recording artist, an internationally known Oracle Award-winning storyteller, a published poet and writer, and sought-after storytelling coach and teaching artist. This story is told by Milbury Birch, and the story was written by Jane Yolen. In a village deep in Thessaly, where horses grow like wheat in the fields, a boy was born with wings. They were long, arching wings, softly feathered and golden white in color. They moved with delicate grace, and they were like nothing ever seen before in the whole of the Thessalian plain. The boy's parents named him Aitos, which means eagle, because of his wondrous wings. But Aitos' father, who was a herdsman, could not abide him. Who has ever heard of a child with wings, he said, and made a sign with his hands to protect himself from evil spirits each time the child came near. Surely the gods must be displeased with me to have sent me so strange a son. What good is he to me? He is something for wise men and fools to wonder about, but not a fit son for a keeper of horses. And as Aitos grew from an infant to a boy, his father found one excuse after another to stay away from home, taking his herd of horses higher and higher into the surrounding hills. At last he came home only when the driving rains made him seek shelter, or the drifting snows closed the mountain trails. Now Ito's mother loved her son, but she too felt uneasy at the sight of his wings. Were they really a sign of the gods' disfavor, or were they a blessing? It was hard to tell, but one dared not take chances. And if the villagers knew of this strange thing, they might do Aitos some hurt. So she made him a black goat-hair cape to cover his shoulders, and forbade him ever to fly or to let people know of his wings. And Aitos never disobeyed her. But gradually he became the forgotten one of the family. He played by himself in the corner of the house. When shoved outside by his older brothers, he would wander alone down by the river. There, from behind a large olive tree, he would watch the women washing clothes in the water and the children playing on the shore. Once in a while, he would raise his eyes to the birds that raced the clouds across the skies, and sometimes his own wings would respond to the sight. They would try to stretch and arch. Then Aitos would pull his goat-hair cape more tightly across his thin shoulders and carefully study the ground until the wings were quiet once more. It happened one day that the winter winds blew icily across the plain. Snow fell steadily in the mountains for a night and a day. But Ito's father, high in the hills, did not come home. The snow had trapped him and his horses behind a wall of white. The days grew colder. The winds came fiercely from the north, and still the herdsman could not bring his horses home. In the village, Aitos, his mother, and his two older brothers sat by the fire shivering with the cold and wondering about their father. Finally, the oldest brother, Panos, arose. "'I will try to find my father,' he said. He took a leather pouch and filled it with olives and flatbread." Then he went out into the storm. But scarcely a day later, Panos returned. 
he had been able to go no farther than the foot of the mountain before the icy winds had driven him home. So once more the herdsman's wife and his three sons sat by the fire. Finally, the second brother, Nikos, arose. Now it is my turn to seek our father, he said. He took the leather pouch and filled it with goat cheese and hung a goat skin full of wine from his belt. Then Nikos went out into the storm. But scarcely two days later, he returned. He had been able to go no farther than the first mountain pass when the icy winds and the wall of snow had driven him home. So once more, the herdsman's wife and his three sons sat by the fire. As the embers began to cool, Aetos arose. He pulled his goat-hair cape tightly around his shoulders. "'It is left for me to seek our father,' he said." For if I had not been born with wings, he would have been safe at home even now. And though he was still too young to brave the winter mountains all alone, neither his mother, nor Panos, nor Nikos told him no. So filling the leather pouch with a crust of dark bread, and the goatskin with fresh milk, Aetos went out into the storm. As he walked toward the mountain, the icy winds tore at his clothes, one chilling blast ripped the goatskin of milk from his shoulder and sent it spilling across the plain. It does not matter, thought Aetos. I will be lighter now. As Aetos reached the mountain's steep foot, a second chilling wind tore the leather pouch from his belt and tossed it high up on the hills. One less thing to carry, he thought, and he began to climb the snow-covered mountain. Yet a third blast of the icy wind ripped his goatskin cape from his shoulders, whipping it away like a giant black hawk. Aetos uttered a sharp cry as the cold winter air found his shoulders and back, for suddenly, without his willing it, his wondrous wings arched against the wind, stretching high and pushing out beyond his shoulders. For a minute, the wind seemed to grow gentle. It played with the feathers, stroking them, "'petting them, and then, before Aetos could think what to do, "'his golden-white wings had started to beat by themselves. "'High above the path they carried him, above the trees, and above the mountain. "'As he whirled, dipped, dived, and soared, "'Aetos felt happy and free for the first time in his life. "'He saw how small his house looked, how small the village looked, "'how small the mountain that imprisoned his father. "'His father!' In the joy of flying, Aetos had almost forgotten about his father, trapped behind the cold, white wall of snow. So he squinted his eyes in concentration and mastered the beating of his wondrous wings. Then he glided down near the tops of the trees and began to search the steep sides and valleys for a sign of the herdsman and his herd. At last, he saw a few small dark dots against the snow, Catching a current of air, he floated down to investigate. There, huddled between two mares, shaggy in their winter coats, was his father, fainting with the cold. Aetos swooped down and lifted his father into his arms. He marveled at how light his father felt, for the herdsman had gone many days with no food and only melted snow to drink. 
Then, with his wings beating against the cold air, the feathers beginning to stiffen and grow heavy with ice, Aitos took off into the mountain air once again, his father cradled in his arms. In less time than it takes to tell it, Aitos and his father had crossed up and over the mountain, sailed across the Thessalian plain, and landed in front of the herdsman's house. Panos, Nikos, and their mother ran out and carried the herdsman inside where they warmed him by the fire. But it was some time before they paid any heed to the chilled and drooping boy who shivered by the door. It was even longer before they noticed his frozen wings. But finally, they signaled him to stand by the fire and filled him with warm broth and even warmer thanks. The herdsman recovered quickly, for he was a hardy man. But Itos lay in bed, shivering first cold and then hot for many days. When he was finally well, his wings, which had become frostbitten by the icy winds, lost all their feathers one by one. At last, the wings themselves dropped off. All that was left were two large scars on his shoulders where the wings had been. At first, Itos was sad, "'remembering the wild, happy freedom of his ride in the sky. "'But afterward, when both his mother and father hugged, "'kissed, petted and praised him, "'and he was allowed to join the other boys at their games, "'he all but forgot about his lost wings, "'for they had brought him no happiness "'except for that one brief moment. "'As the years passed, and Etos grew into a man, "'he was loved and respected by all.' He lived as other men in the village did, and became a herder of horses. His wings, and his one great flight into freedom, faded into a childhood memory. Except for the scars on his shoulders, he would have counted them as a dream. But now, no longer burdened by the wings, his soul could fly. Yet generations later, the people of the village prayed to a guardian angel of the horse herders, an angel they called Saint Itos. You see, the people never knew how unhappy the boy had been before he lost his wings, and only thought of how glorious it must be to fly. And boys and girls prayed each night to grow great, arched, golden-white wings that would carry them up over the mountains, or they prayed that their own children might be born with such wings to bring them safely home across the plain. But from that day to this, no one else has ever been so blessed. Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. Show notes and more information about the storytellers you heard today can be found at storystorypodcast.com forward slash episode eight. Show the love. Find Oni Lasana, Lynn Ford, and Milbury Birch on Facebook. Tell them you heard them on the podcast and now want to hear them tell more stories. If you want to support this podcast, you can do that and get an extra story per podcast. The bonus story for the patrons for episode eight is Three Golden Oranges by Janice Del Negro. You can find support options at storystorypodcast.com. And I want to say thank you to our three supporters on Patreon. You know who you are. I know who you are. And I really appreciate you. If you would like to stay connected or offer feedback, you can find me and the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, or join the mailing list. You can leave a rating and a comment on iTunes or however else you listen to your podcast. This helps other people find the stories and is so appreciated. 
Let us know your favorite story that you've heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you'll hear them here soon. I'll be back again with more stories, and I hope you'll join me. And until then, live happily ever after.